With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, guys. Ricky Pope here, and I'm back finally with new content. This week on the Christian Nerds Unite podcast, I interviewed Danny Anderson, college English professor, podcast host, and author. He and I discussed the ideas of Christianity in horror films, plus scripture and nerdy news, and we'll get to all of that right after this. It is so great to be back with you all and recording new episodes. It's been a long journey. My wife spending three months in the hospital getting a heart transplant uh, that we've been waiting almost four years for. If you've listened to much of the podcast, you've probably heard some of that story in the past. Uh, And for me, spending two separate weeks in the hospital uh, for various issues that I had come up all of a sudden. But now we're both doing well and we're home. And I'm so excited to be with you. Uh, Let's start with some scripture. Let's start with Ezekiel 36, 26 through 28. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. And be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. My wife received a new heart recently. And it it always makes me think of this scripture. She had a physical transplant. But God gives us a spiritual heart transplant. When we turn to him. He goes on to say, He does it for his glory. So even our salvation is for his glory and not our own. I am thankful this week for my wife and her new life-saving heart, but I'm even more thankful for my God and Father who's changing me from the inside out. Now, let's look at some nerdy news. No surprise here, but Black Panther Wakanda Forever took in 
$180 million at the domestic box office. It took in another $150 million at the foreign markets for a global total of $330 million, making it the largest November opening in history. Along with that, it is receiving an 84% from critics and 95% from audiences on Rotten Tomatoes. If you've not seen it, expect it to be a spectacle and hint at many of the upcoming MCU events. Many of you have already heard that uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran have been named co-chairmen and CEOs of the new DC Studios. They'll be overseeing film, TV, and animation for DC Studios. Many have high hopes that this will create a new firm foundation that the DCU, as it is now called, uh, will be able to build upon. I'm really hopeful that with their talents, they can help create a more coherent DC universe of live action films and shows. And on a sad note, the quintessential voice of Batman for millions of people, Kevin Conroy, has passed away at the age of 66. Conroy was the voice of Batman, Bruce Wayne, for Batman the Animated Series, which started in 1992, 30 years ago, as well as many other shows like Batman Beyond, Justice League Unlimited, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, as well as the Rocksteady Arkham games. He will be missed by many. And to start getting us into the holiday mood, from Warner Brothers Pictures and HBO Max, they're bringing us a new family comedy, A Christmas Story Christmas, the long-awaited follow-up to the holiday favorite, A Christmas Story. This time, Ralphie is all grown up and must deal with Christmas and all that comes with it as a dad. And being a dad, I know what that can be like. Peter Billingsley does return as Ralphie. A Christmas Story Christmas will debut on HBO Max on November 17th. Today I want to share an interview I did recently with Danny Anderson. Danny is a believer and a college professor, teaching rhetoric, literature, and film classes at Mount Aloysius College in Crescent, Pennsylvania, and teaches a class on the classic horror movie. Danny and I had a long discussion about faith and horror films. Um, where they meet and where they don't. Uh, so, so long, in fact, I, I had to split it up into two episodes. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you might notice I had some video issues. Uh, sorry about that. But now let's get right into part one of our interview. Danny Anderson, it is so great to have you on the Christian Nerds Unite podcast today. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you finally. Uh, I know we've been friends on Twitter for uh, a while, chatting back and forth, and uh, been trying to set this interview up for a while. So I'm, I'm excited to finally have you with us. Um, tell us a little bit about Danny Anderson. Well, I uh, am a teacher. I teach English at Mount Aloysius College in Crescent, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, and so when you're in academia, you kind of go wherever jobs lead you. So I went from Cleveland to Georgia to uh, here in Pennsylvania, where I, I expect to die <laughs> at some point, <laughs> hopefully the last move of my life. Um, and I grew up 
evangelical in, in a kind of low uh, Protestant uh, denomination, the Nazarene denomination, which I think is probably pretty big out where uh, you live in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, uh, a tradition that I grew up in. And um, and so and I've never left, actually. I, I have gone to other churches in my life, but I happen to go to a Nazarene church now. And so my that's sort of the the scope of my kind of religious upbringing. And, uh, and I got into academia. I'm, I'm someone who sort of stumbled into this life. I, I was not um, someone born to it, um, you might say. My uh, parents were both kind of working class folks from West Virginia and no one in my college, my family ever went to college. And so I didn't, I did for a while, but I kind of bombed out. <laughs> and then uh, I kind of lived life for a while. And then I won't bore everyone with the details. I, I sort of stumbled back into college and in my last semester, someone talked me into going to grad school and here I am. So it, I have a very kind of uh, uh, unusual, I think, path to academia and um, it's allowed me to kind of keep in touch with a lot of the things that that marginal position in academia mm. has allowed me to sort of keep in touch with the more kind of popular culture influences that I kind of grew up mm. with. Um, and I haven't sort of like uh, lost my taste for those kinds of things, which explains my interest in horror films. <laughs> which is is part of the reason you and I connected originally. Um, I don't remember exactly what happened, but there was some discussion of horror films on uh, Twitter. And uh, I believe that's how I, I kind of uh, ran into your name. And uh, so that's actually kind of what we want to talk about today. Um, This idea of Christianity and horror film. um, And as of this recording, you know, Halloween is like a week away. This will actually play after that. But um, but just because of the timings that we had. But uh, the um, the ideas uh, that that go on and, and a lot of people have differing opinions of you know can christianity fit in with this this genre you know what's okay what's not okay um i mean we're not going to make major decision life decisions today um and uh, i may not change anyone's mind about anything but i just want to have the discussion so you know looking at it uh especially you know older horror films um it seems to be that uh, this was one of the places where it was kind of okay to talk about Christian faith um, in a horror film. We see often see a lot of Christian iconography, um, Christian ideas. Um, before we hit record, you act, we actually mentioned you know the Exorcist being uh, you know being a, a big a big one that's listed. Um, what are your thoughts about that idea of Christian faith being used in the horror genre? Well, yeah, before I get to that, I do want to sort of, I understand that this is not everybody's cup of tea and I've never, absolutely, been, I've never been a person to kind of be defensive about my interest in horror and think, well, you should like it too. Right. And so I, I get that some people just mm-hmm. have sort of anxiety issues on one level uh, with dealing with fright and fear. Um, mm-hmm. But the, also I, I'm sensitive to the kind of theological concerns um, from some, you know, people, fellow believers. And so and, I, I and honestly, not, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not a big horror fan right. in general. I am simply interested in this idea. 
Right. Yes. Yeah. And so that that's just my little uh, disclaimer at the beginning. I have my stance on this. I understand there are people who disagree with me and I don't necessarily hold that against them. And so, uh, but going back to your, your, the actual question, I, yeah, it's a really good point. And as particularly if you think early horror cinema, you mm -hmm. mentioned the exorcist, but if you go even further back to the universal cycle, oh, um, yeah. those, I mean, the, the the crucifix is a major mm -hmm. repellent to Dracula, right? And and uh, yes. and the film that really I think, if I have to think of the movie that got me into this genre, it would be The Wolfman. Um, when I grew up, these things were always in in yes. you know reruns on TV. So I kind of grew up really just loving old old monster movies. Um, one reason being, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and there was a big town for like late night horror hosts that were kind of mm. like funny and goofy. Um, there's one on national syndication now called Sven Gulli. Uh, and uh, if you, he's on MeTV if you're interested. But uh, we had our own local ones in, in Cleveland, mm -hmm. and it was just kind of part of the culture, and I just adored it, right? And I just, and frankly, I've never grown out of that. I'm still carry that part of the boy uh, with me as a man <laughs> now today. Um, but one of the movies they would often show would be The Wolfman. And in that movie, the father of The Wolfman very kind of openly talks about God. And, and, and there's a very clear sort of conservative moral universe with God at the head of it in a lot mm. of those films. Um, and that's what makes Frankenstein somewhat... Um, scary for the, the time i mean we watch that mm -hmm. today and it's not scary to us today but uh it reads more like a drama a weird drama to us today but um for the time it is because it, it undermines um a divine order about who is the creator mm -hmm. right and, and so that that's why frankenstein is a a figure of fright and so yeah there is a way in which horror films um more so than many genres if not uniquely mm -hmm. among all the genres do actually allow for and take seriously uh, faith. Now, there are exceptions, of course. There are um, uh, horror films that seek to sort of undermine um, traditional mm -hmm. values of faith and stuff. I actually find those to be useful as well, um, or interesting as well. And uh, but But that tradition of taking faith seriously certainly existed at the beginning, very mm -hmm. prevalent in a movie like The Exorcist, where the, the priests are sort of heroes of the movie. Um, and it carries through even today. There's still, that's still a, a go-to, The Conjuring universe, for example. Um, mm -hmm. That is a very conservative uh, moral universe, a theologically conservative moral universe with the the, the fictional versions of the Warrens, uh, the the ghosts, uh, the paranormal investigator Warrens. The actual Warrens are very problematic people, but the cinematic versions of them are lovely. So, um. Nice. Yeah. Um, you you mentioned um, the the Universal monsters. Yeah. And uh, I, you know I'm 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 of an age where those old black and white shows, you know replayed on saturdays right um you know uh you know in the 70s <clears throat> and um so that is kind of how i ran into horror films mm -hmm. and uh, and i did enjoy some of those um but uh you know horror today has changed so much um there's you know there are horror films that are more traditional horror films that you think of and then there are these other films that are kind of gore fest right kind of horror films um what do you how do you feel about the current um landscape of the horror genre 
Well, I, I am a fan of horror in general, so I'm probably more tolerant <laughs> than, than you might be. Um, but there are like, I, I am not a fan of just like splatter for the, the spectacle of splatter, mm -hmm. right? There is, it's kind of, you don't see it as much now, but 10, 15 years ago, there was the phenomenon of what they called torture porn, um, movies like yes. Hostel and um, The Human mm -hmm. Centipede and all these sorts of things. That was never my thing. I, 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 don't, I don't enjoy just seeing carnage and thinking it's cool, right? Uh, I, I think that um, the, the horror films that I tend to like are much more kind of traditional in their way. But I, I do think that really great horror films are still being made. Um, and I do think that, um, honestly, I that conception is rather marginal. I mean, those, those films get made. There is an audience for that. There is this kind of like convention-minded horror fan that mm -hmm. that is your only thing that you're that comprises your identity <laughs> you know what i mean and so yes um you end up kind of like diving into it so much that it desensitizes you to more kind of subtle concerns in horror and alls you want to see in some cases this is not everybody mm -hmm. that um that falls into those groups the only thing that kind of gives you any kind of emotional response at all is the slaughter, right? And, and so that's kind of what they want to see. That is a rather marginal audience in, in horror. They exist and they're definitely there. Um, but I think the larger horror audience, there is a taste for subtlety. Um, um, the, the films of Jordan Peele, for example, are mm -hmm. he recently, um, the last five or six years, released three really, really great horror films, like historically great horror films, Get Out, Us, and the recent Nope uh, that came out this summer. Um, those are very intellectually engaging while not being gruesome, right? And so, mm -hmm. um, and, and there, there is, we are in many ways in a heyday of horror. Uh, in, in a lot, of, in particularly this last couple of years, there's been so many really, really good horror films out that are not necessarily slaughter for the sake of slaughter, uh, right? And I could tolerate some slaughter. <laughs> it's not, it's not that I'm, I'm against the slaughter, uh, but I, I don't have the patience for it that a lot of people do. Well, I was going to say I primarily fall into uh, a sci-fi world, mm -hmm. uh, my preference, and uh, you know, sci-fi has had its fair share of slaughter yeah sure. um from time to time so i i definitely understand what you mean <laughs> <clears throat> now um i know you do a class on horror yeah talk to us a little bit about that what do, what kind of things do you discuss in a a collegiate class on horror film well there are definitely like academic approaches to art to film and literature and, and mm -hmm. uh, music or whatever. There are sort of academic questions that people tend to ask. Um, for example, there, there are psychoanalytic approaches uh, to horror, not necessarily psychologizing characters on the screen, but uh, mm -hmm. looking at the film for the ways it psychologically engages with the world, right? Um, there are people ask gender questions um, about the way in which a particular film challenges or adds to our conceptions of, of gender and that sort of thing. Um, and there are economic questions. So I do all of that. Uh, I, the, there's a boilerplate list of things that you need to talk about when you talk about horror films from an academic sense. My own kind of personal uh, 
uh, preference though, I whenever I teach a class of any kind, novel classes or whatever, I like to establish a conversation in which the works kind of speak back and forth to one another across time. Mm -hmm. And so I begin at the in the early days with silent films, and we watch Nosferatu, uh, which is a, a classic, a hundred year mm -hmm. old now. Um, this year it turned a hundred, oh, wow. uh, a, a vampire film like. The, first, the prototypical mm -hmm. vampire film, a German silent film. And then um, we move in through like Cat People in the 1940s and, and a couple movies from the 50s and into today to establish the way in which horror films today are still kind of grappling with the same kinds of questions and they might have different answers now, but uh, mm -hmm. but but they, they still are referencing and sort of retilling that soil. And so that's kind of my, my approach and my, I guess my preferred way to think about art is like an iceberg uh like an art an artwork is what we see above the surface of the ocean is the tip of a larger iceberg it's connected mm -hmm. to a lot of social um and individual concerns mm -hmm. of a society at a given moment right and so there's i i kind of prefer the approach to a film that when we look at a film it's like a little window into a perspective on the world at a mm -hmm. given time and a place right and those mm -hmm. perspectives are psychological they're historical they're political mm -hmm. they're social um they're also spiritual and by kind of taking a work seriously and really kind of pausing over its details and the creative choices that the filmmakers make uh, we can actually get sort of a window into a view of the world that we can agree or disagree with um we can um be happy that they pre presented our point of view, or we can be grateful that they challenged our point of view, right? And, and mm -hmm. I think that both are both are great um, approaches. So that's kind of how I teach a horror film, uh, and, and I just sort of lead us into an experience with these films um, across time. And so we kind of get a bigger view of not only our world today, but how our world today came out of a world yesterday. And and mm -hmm. uh, and so for me, it's. I'm very uh, influenced. There's a, a rhetorician named Kenneth Burke. Uh, he refers to literature as quote equipment for living, and and that's kind <laughs> of how I like to think about art. It's a way. It's a tool for us to sort of live more deeply if we're willing to sort of take it mm. seriously. And horror films are my kind of wheelhouse, <laughs> and that's that's kind of like the, uh, uh, the 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 mechanism I most prefer to to ask these questions. But mm. um, but that that's kind of my general approach now we could talk about particular films or whatnot okay well kind of with that uh with a couple there's something you said earlier that brought this question to mind do you think there is a particular subject or a particular idea that horror the horror genre is better at communicating than say a, a different a, a different genre you know yes um, if I had to sort of like, uh, simplify that, that question, um, I, I, I honestly, in many ways, the best horror films are not that different than non-genre films, right? Uh, they ask mm -hmm. the same kinds of questions, but if we want to kind of like, I, I will answer your question as you've asked it. Um, and, and I will say that the way in which a horror film is normally structured is that you have a state of normalcy. Mm -hmm. um that is disrupted by something monstrous mm -hmm. right and then right. the struggle becomes the struggle to um reinstate normalcy right mm -hmm. and, and so 
that could be a, and so and sometimes sometimes the normalcy is a good thing uh something mm -hmm. good that is being threatened right mm -hmm. um think about the original or i guess even the remake of invasion of the body snatchers these are sort of it's a it's a, a wonderful little town that is being threatened by this kind of alien menace, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the main character of that is trying to get people to listen to him uh, so that uh, we can stop the threat and uh, and maintain our order. That's that's a normalcy that is good, that is being threatened. Um, and the, the ending of that particular movie is quite open-ended. Now, the 70s version, the ending is utterly bleak, right? But in the 1950s mm -hmm. version, it, it's a little open-ended. Um, but there's also ways in which the normalcy that is disrupted may not have been good and needed to be disrupted right mm -hmm. uh, and and honestly i kind of think that this is something i'm a big fan of john carpenter um <laughs> i uh, okay. i really uh he's my favorite artist across any genre uh the i do a podcast called the sectarian review podcast and we're part of the christian humanist radio network this year, all of the shows on the network are looking at different John Carpenter films. I appeared on like all but one of those episodes uh, to talk about him. I have an article coming out on Halloween. It's supposed to come out um, on pop culture and theology about John Carpenter on the origins of evil and that sort of thing. So I'm a huge fan mm -hmm. of John Carpenter. And so who made Halloween? The movie Michael Myers, right? Right. I think if there is, and um, but uh, his movie The Fog for example, is about this little town on Antonio Bay that is being basically um, ha haunted by these ghosts. You might call them pirate ghosts, but they're not really pirates. They're uh, ghosts from a pirate-looking ship from the sea. Um, and as it turns out, this town was founded on murder and theft uh, of this leper colony a um, hundred mm. years prior. And the ghosts of these uh, murdered lepers are coming back for revengeance on this town. So in that case, that's a normalcy that was a false normalcy, right? And mm. the the retribution of it <clears throat> is um, the destabilizing of it. But in both mm. cases, it's about a kind of normalcy that gets disrupted and the struggle is to maintain that normalcy. Uh, and so I think that's something that a horror film is uniquely equipped to do that other genres mm -hmm. they have their own versions of that every movie has a, a character arc for example right uh mm -hmm. but uh but a horror film um approaches it in a unique um way that i think um offers us a way to think about our world in very productive um means by very productive means great well uh, when we look at different um we look at different genres sometimes especially i i feel like i could be wrong about this but i i feel like horror gets blended in to a lot of other genres uh, to kind of make these hybrid movies that yeah. uh, people that really don't like horror that or say they don't like horror really love these other movies where horror is a big portion of of the of what's going on sure one of the movies that comes to mind is the original alien movie oh absolutely yeah it it is a sci-fi movie it is it, it is a, a, a movie i really love and i say i generally don't like horror movies but horror is a big part of what alien is uh the original alien I'm not talking about aliens that's more sci-fi right. action hero kind of movie <laughs> But uh, the original Alien was more horror than sci-fi. Um, how do you see those genres blending? 
Um, that's a really good question. And yeah, I would totally agree with that assessment about Alien. Um, you can teach that in either a horror or a sci-fi class, I think, um, because of the the nature of the monster in that. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's, um, I don't know, it's it's grotesque, right? And And it has this sort of like, there's an eeriness to it. And I guess on mm -hmm. that term, um, when I teach the horror film class, there's a book that I, I use to help us. It gives us a, a vocabulary basically to use to mm -hmm. analyze films and think about films. It's called The Weird and the Eerie by Mark Fisher. Um, a lot of horror um, criticism builds off of a Freudian concept. Um, Sigmund Freud wrote about what he called the uncanny, which is kind of a feel. If you think about robots, the, the, there's the term uncanny valley. So uh, there's a moment at mm -hmm. which a robot can look too human and it makes us nervous, right? Um, and mm -hmm. so there's, there's a negotiation. Uh, so that's kind of what uncanniness is uh, for Freud. It's a, um, a way in which something is both familiar and unfamiliar at the same time, which makes us unsettled uh, in some psychological way. It's a which, is, which is Blade Runner. Yes, exactly. Blade Runner is a good example of that, a great example of that. Um, and so what Fisher does is he kind of zooms in on that term and kind of nuances it a little bit more and gives us the weird and the eerie. And so the weird is basically like HP Lovecraft. Um, if you've ever okay. read any of those stories, yep. I'm familiar. Um, it, it's cosmic horror. It's something from outside of our dimension that is now appearing in our dimension. That's weird to us, right? Right. Um, something that doesn't belong in our, our universe is there. Um, the eerie is um, so, what he calls a failure of absence or a failure of presence. Um, an empty failure of absence. Yeah. Uh, so an em so a, a failure of absence. Something should not be there that is. So if you're walking down a hallway uh, and you see a little doll okay. standing at the end of the hallway, that should not be there. That's a failure of absence, right? There should okay. be an absence that is not there. And a failure of presence. If you're walking around an empty mall, that's eerie to us um, because a mall should be populated with people. And when it's not, it's eerie it's creepy um ah, so these okay. are both um concepts that kind of deal are that with both sci-fi and horror like the weird is very much i mean the alien is a very weird creature it's from another mm -hmm. it, uh, planet it's from another kind of <laughs> realm of existence and it's we're encountering it in our realm of existence so that's a that's a concept that is shared between sci-fi and horror and so the genre of sci-fi horror is real. <laughs> I think, I think, it, I think it comes from things like that, but also there's other genres too, like comedy, comedy mm -hmm. horror is a big thing. Yeah. Um, Which like, yeah, there was a whole, the whole set of movies based on the idea of scream. That's yeah. scary. The scary, the scary movie, movie franchise. franchise. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those are sort of parodies, but even one, yeah. even um, like a, my favorite movie is American werewolf in London is oh, as yes. much a comedy as it is a horror film. And I think it's a great example of both. And so, yeah, horror does lend itself to, um, I guess, uh, supplementing. It plays nice with other genres. Um, and of course, comedy and horror, share something in common as well um both of them comment something is funny because it causes us to laugh at some state of reality right mm -hmm. it causes us to understand some aspect of reality is kind of screwy and we laugh at it right mm -hmm. um horror 
is a very similar kind of critique of society, right? Horror mm -hmm. looks at something wrong with society and it makes us ho horrified at it, right? And so comedy and horror are actually sort of almost twin uh, genres in that way. And so they, they lend themselves to being kind of like paired up as, as well. It was great getting to know Danny Anderson. If you'd like to keep up with him, what he's doing, follow him on Twitter at Danny P. Anderson, or use the links down in the show notes. And don't forget to check back next week for part two of my interview with Danny. Well, that's all I have for you today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, click, just click all those buttons, whatever they are down there, uh, so that you can keep up with us when we do post new content. And uh, you can find all of our social links, links to our YouTube channel, and our online store at ChristianUrgeUnite.com. If you enjoyed the show and want to help even more, consider becoming a supporter on Patreon. We've changed all of our Patreon levels, and every level has great benefits. It makes a huge difference in the ministry we're able to do. Supporters will also get to hear exclusive stories of believers we are serving around the world through our ministry partners. To check it out or partner with us, go to patreon.com slash christianerdsunite or christianerdsunite.com and click on support in the menu. Before you go, I do want to leave you with this blessing from 1 Thessalonians 5. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. We'll see you next week. Blessings. Hey.